Welcome to Star Trek Age of Discovery. I'm Adele Austin Anderson. And I'm Gary Anderson. And we're a married couple who are longtime fans of Star Trek. Today we're breaking down a few badgies more. The season four, seventh episode of Star Trek Lower Decks. Following that, we'll bring you the latest Star Trek news. Before we begin, please remember our analysis contains spoilers. So if you haven't yet watched this episode, you may want to do so before listening to our comments. Now, Gary, let's start off with the synopsis for this episode, A Few Badgies More. Okay. In the prologue, Drumani scavengers find Rutherford's former cybernetic eyepiece while foraging in the Kala system. This is the same eyepiece from Lower Decks Season 3 post credit scene in which viewers learned the evil Badgie program was still in operation within it. Badgie's entices the Drubani captain to move the eyepiece closer to his face to learn of Starfleet secrets. When he does so, the eyepiece attaches itself and takes control of the captain. Yeah, kind of like Borg-like. <laughs> The next scene shows a binar ship coming across a mysterious vessel that we've seen previously in this season and meeting the same fate as all the other hapless ships encountering this seemingly invincible ship. When the Cerritos answers the binar distress call, they only find debris that appears to be from the binar ship. They are held by the Drukmani captain whose ship has also ventured to the debris field site. Badgie then reveals himself as the entity in control of the Drupmani and their vessel. Without warning, Badgie begins to bombard the Cerritos with weapons. Since Rutherford is Badgie's creator, he thinks of it as if he were his father. The engineer feels responsible for its actions and against the rules decides to go to the Drukmani ship and stop Badgie from destroying the Cerritos. Mariner accompanies him, although he did not want to put her in danger. Initially, Badgie seems resistant to Rutherford's pleas to stop the attack on the Cerritos. Then Rutherford decides his only recourse is to give Badgie a, a hug. Uh, upon doing so, Badgie splits in two. One entity is a maniacal evil Badgie, while the other side embodies goodness and aptly calls itself Goodgie. <laughs> <laughs> Badgie grows more powerful to the point of being omnipotent. He sends out his code to every ship in the Federation, intent on destroying everything. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> However, just as he is about to do so, he has an epiphany and instead ascends, transforming into a higher state of being. In a subplot, Tendi and Boimler travel to the AI prison at the Daystrom Institute to check on the Exocomp Peanut Hamper's efforts at rehabilitation and the computer Agamus claim that it has some intel on the mysterious ship. Agamus learns Peanut Hamper has been released after she persuades authorities she is sufficiently contrite for past misdeeds. 
Agamus then convinces Boimler and Tindy to take him to a, on a shuttle to one of its, his drones that supposedly has information on the Binar attack. However, it turns out to be a ruse, and the Cerritos crew members become his captives. Agamus uses drones to take control of the shuttle, and they head to a planet where he and Peanut Hamper had planned to rendezvous. Agamus quickly subjugates the planet, but loses enthusiasm for his conquest when Peanut Hamper does not join him. Agamus, Boimler, and Tindy locate Peanut Hamper happily working at the Tyrus 7A research station with other exocomps, including her father. Seeing that his friend has truly changed her ways genuinely affects Agamus, who values her camaraderie. No longer as captors, Boimler and Tindy return Agamus to its prison cell at the Daystrom Institute. It turns out Agamus did have intel on the ship attacks and shares it with Boimler. It's revealed the mysterious vessel was not destroying the ships, but is instead stealing them. Transporting them to where? Let's, well, I guess I, we'll find I, out in... I, I don't know. (laughs) Okay. It's a mystery. It is a mystery. It is definitely a mystery. Let's go on to the credits. A Few Badgies More was written by Edgar Montplessier and directed by Bob Suarez. A native of New York, Montplessier is a comedian, writer, and performer now based in Los Angeles. Edgar hosts the popular podcast Culture Kings on iHeartRadio and The Wokest on Earwolf. He has written for Blackish, Dear White People, the Fox show What Just Happened with Fred Savage, and the 71st Primetime Emmys. A Few Badgies More is the first episode he has written for Lower Decks. Bob Suarez has had a long career as a New York-based storyboard artist with dozens of credits for such series as Daria, Codename, Kids Next Door, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and Randy Cunningham, Ninth Grade Ninja. (laughs) (laughs) No stranger to directing, he was nominated for an Emmy for Outstanding Animated Program for Disclosure, the movie, the musical, a season three episode of the animated series Big Mouth. He earned a Hugo Award nomination for Best Dramatic Presentation, Short Form, for Wage Dooge a season two episode of Star Trek Lower Decks. Besides A Few Badgies More and Wage Dooge, Bob has directed six other Lower Decks episodes. Oh, okay. All right. Now let's get into the analysis. Okay. The theme of A Few Badgies More is transformation, or more specifically, redemption. But we've seen this trick before. Now for our first impressions. There was some apprehension in our house about a few veggies more, primarily because we didn't feel the last Peanut Hamper episode, a mathematically perfect redemption, was very good. Secondly, the idea of watching Badgie become an even more menacing psychopath doesn't build much hope for an enjoyable episode. Thirdly, the supervillain team up between Peanut Hamper and Agamus that was teased last year has come to pass, although Peanut is barely in it. 
Because of these factors, this might be the weakest episode of season four. We should also put out a full disclosure. Adele and I are not fans of either Peanut Hamper or Badgie. You know, I enjoyed the first few Badgie episodes, but uh, he is a joke who has worn out his welcome for us. Both characters were introduced in episodes where the comedy came out of exploiting a single characteristic. That characteristic being technology gone mad. Both are technological devices that have acquired some level of advanced intelligence. And both became unconcerned with or outright antagonistic towards organic life. In reality, Peanut Hamper isn't in this episode very much. So she really doesn't factor into the storyline until very late. Instead, our time is split between watching Badgie and the third villain in this episode, Agamus, execute their devious plans. Originally, they were all one-joke creations without any expectations of becoming a reoccurring presence in Lower Decks. Obviously, that's changed because A Few Badgies More is the third appearance of Peanut Hamper and the fourth for Badgie. Also, it's the third time we've seen Agamus. Unfortunately, it doesn't make things funnier when your evil technology antagonist goes from 1 to 15 without giving them anything unique or new to do. Badgie hates Rutherford and seeks to torment him and goes so far as to want to kill all Federation life forms. Peanut Hamper seeks to manipulate everyone to get whatever she wants, and Agamus thinks he will only be happy once he's conquered another planet, which he will share with his close friend, Peanut Hamper. In an attempt to save the Cerritos from destruction, Rutherford and Mariner take a spacewalk to stop Badgie's Borg-like possession of the Drukmani ship and its crew. Using its awareness of the inner workings of the Cerritos, Badgie is able to match the frequency of the shield's on the ship to cause maximum damage. And at another point, he really releases a deadly gas throughout the ventilation system so Rutherford can watch his crewmates die. Yeah, it's really cruel. I mean, it's not funny. It's just... Yeah, I was uh, waiting for the joke. Right, right, exactly. As we mentioned on a previous episode, one of the things longtime Star Trek fans have to come to terms with as the franchise has continued to produce new series, is the rehashing of certain storylines. Since the original series, one of the primary tropes of Star Trek and other science fiction shows has been the sentient AI that seeks to enslave or eradicate all organic beings. Originally, Lower Decks used the redundancy of this trope as the basis for humor in each of the episodes that introduced Peanut Hamper, Badgie, and Agamus. But this time, they fell into depicting the trope instead of satirizing it. On top of that, all four of our heroes, Rutherford, Mariner, Boimler, and Tindy, are bystanders. They basically observe the events that go on. We're watching the villains be the motivators of the storyline. Outside of Rutherford's one attempt to hug Badgie and try to reform him, they do nothing else that in any way, shape, or form that attempts to intercede or halt 
the actions of these characters. With a few badges more, Lord Dex highlights the show's weakness. To be funny and thought-provoking, the humor has often been at the expense of Star Trek, its canon, and the seriousness of fans. Otherwise, it threatens to become the thing it is making fun of. And so that's really what is at the heart of what we find uncomfortable about this episode. I mean, after all the series that we've watched, specifically in the case of the new series, where some AI has taken over and become the danger that happened at Prodigy, that happened in Discovery, that happened, you know, in Picard. In Picard. And it's just, and, and we know how boring watching the, the Borg has become oh, because yeah. it's just a redundant case over and over and over again of the same, tr- same steps. It's, it's just wondering why they didn't take advantage of playing the humor towards that as opposed to falling into depicting a sp- story that was filled with all of the, pr- the pitfalls that those other stories had. Yeah, I, I think in the other words, what you're saying is that, uh, again, you have this AI that's going to take over, and then you have this deus ex machina's mm-hmm. uh, moment where... You know, it, it just goes out of control, and then it just goes, oh, right. now I see the error in my ways, you know, right. power corrupts, I'm just going, and now I'm going to transcend, because now I have yeah, what, this new level of understanding. So it just comes from nowhere, yeah, I mean, and it's not funny, it's not, um, it doesn't, it's not uh, revelatory, it's it's it not is, entertaining. It's just not entertaining. Right. Exactly. I mean, the, 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 when you think about it, when you're looking at how this story pans out, we, we have, I have some legitimate questions. I know this is a cartoon, but where, why does Pagey, why does Badgy become so powerful? Yeah. How is yeah. it, cap- how is it, how cap- is that, right? How is that possible? And how is it, and then once it's got all that power, how is it then capable of, pushing that throughout every ship not only in the federation but in the vulcan right the vulcan yeah, collective exactly. and to every other ship in the world how is it able to do that what capacity and then what's the trigger that once badgie has all of that power right what's the trigger that that catalyst that causes him to transform right that's what you're talking about the deus ex machina it just seemed they needed to end the episode and right. that was the best way to end it. That it all of a sudden, it, he right. got so powerful that he became the opposite of what he was seeking. Exactly, exactly. Within the world of that cartoon. Within the world of that cartoon, yeah. which is which, unfortunately, didn't make much sense. So anyway, um, but let's move on to talking about the the one thing I think that does come out of here that's that is helpful moves the story forward, and that's more information about the mystery ship. In the episode, we witness that this mysterious ship attacking another vessel unprovoked. This time, the ship was from the Binos in the Beta Magellan system, inhabited by the race known as the Binars. As a plot twist, we learned from Agamus and his drones, the seeming destruction of the ships is a hoax. What appears to be the total destruction of various battleships from different planets was actually the teleportation of those ships and their crews to places unknown for a purpose yet to be revealed. 
The only person that appeared to have prior knowledge of one of these attacks was a lone Ferengi who was upset at the reforms Rom has instituted as the Grand Nagus. Who or what are the hidden masterminds after? So here are our final thoughts on this episode. Thankfully, A Few Badgies More does have a few bright spots. First, the story does deliver one unexpected turn. Uh, when, Ruff, when Rutherford embraces his father figure role to Badgie, he provides his sentient program the love, support, and forgiveness all good parents should provide. If this, is, if this had actually been the focus of the story, it's... It's the one point that could have taken it into other unpredictable approaches and maybe even a different direction. The second is Jack McBrayer. His versatile performance embodies each new aspect of Badgie's personality in a way that is more elaborate than Shatner's portrayal of Good Kirk, Bad Kirk in The Enemy Within uh, in the original series. McBrayer gets to voice an unstable, deranged monster looking for retribution, a wholesome, innocent, good G seeking love, as well as logically, an unemotional, logical version. The third bright spot is Jeffrey Combs. His voice performance does give McBrayer some stiff competition as Agamus, the most outlandish and funniest of the three villains. Without any assistance or augmentation, Agamus quickly reverts to his fascist ways and gains control of an entire planet of humanoids. Combs captures the joy and depression that the machine feels. Through voice, Combs aptly displays the emptiness his character feels inside of missing his prison-made pal, Peanut Hamper. Okay, so now let's go to bits and pieces. This is the good versus evil edition. <laughs> yeah. The title of the episode is a play on the 1965 Clint Eastwood spaghetti western for a few dollars more. One of the other evil computers at the Daystrom Institute is named Lord Tyranny Kilius. <laughs> Badgie is able to appear anywhere he wants on the Drukmani ship because they have installed scavenged hollow emitters on all decks. I think we ought to outlaw hollow emitters. I agree with you. That, I agree. that, that would get rid of all the evil holograms right, right, right. there. The Drukmani captain was not voiced by J.G. Hertzler this week as the case in the previous episodes where the Drukmani have appeared. Once again, Lord Dex resurrects a forgotten alien race and showcases them in this story. This time, it's the Binar's turn. Although this is the Binar's fourth appearance on Lower Decks, the other three being in the background of, of scenes, a few badgies more is the first time we've heard them communicate with one another since their debut in 11001001 during season one. <laughs> Of TNG. Mm. Also, this is the first time we've seen one of the Binar ships. And, fi and as well as the focus is on giving the Sequoia shuttle, you know, the shuttle that the, our, our, our Lower Deckers have been working on. Yes. A, a grappler in A Few Badgies More is a callback to the grappler discussion 
in Strange New Worlds crossover episode, Those Old Scientists. The slightly sinister look on Guji's face when he glitches at the end of the episode could foreshadow the possibility that this might not be the last we see of Badgie. Oh, I hope it is. <laughs> I hope it is. The Tyrus 7A research station that Peanut Hamper travels to after her release is the birthplace of the exocomps introduced in the Next Generation's episode, The Quality of Life. And finally, every time someone transcends, the koala is seen as shown with the evolution of Badgie. This marks the fourth time the koala has appeared in Lower Decks, as well as one time in Strange New Worlds. Yeah. So let's move on to Star Trek news. Star Trek, and this is the big news. We really happy to hear this. Yes, yes. Star Trek Prodigy moves to Netflix. According to The Hollywood Reporter, Prodigy has found a new home. As we have reported, the acclaimed animated show that was canceled on Paramount Plus, boo, <laughs> with its second season still midway through production, have now found a new home. Netflix has scooped up both the previously aired first season and has committed to airing the sophomore run once that completes production. Season one will stream later this year with the second batch due in 2024. The Paramount Global Bag Paramount Plus axed Prodigy in June when it became the latest streamer to take advantage of tax write-offs. I don't understand this idea of taking tax write-offs by not... I mean, you create content and then not putting it out there. So Oh, yeah. It just, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense, you know. Prodigy, though, was a particular surprise given the series is produced in-house by CBS Studios where uh, Star Trek's executive over, over everything, Alex Kirksman, is based with a nine-figure overall deal. The franchise has been the cornerstone of the streamer's existence since the days when it was called CBS All Access, and Kirksman has had a keen eye on expanding the universe to reach a next generation of Star Trek fans who could enjoy the shows with their parents. Paramount Plus continues to be the home of Star Trek Discovery, Star Trek For now. Picard, Strange New Worlds, and the adult-leading animated series Star Trek Lower Decks. Also coming to the platform is Star Trek Section 31 and Star Trek Starfleet Academy, both of which begin production soon, well, after the strike. All are produced by CBS Studios and Kurtzman's Secret Hideout Banner. News that Prodigy has officially landed at Netflix comes after fans of the series launched a GoFundMe campaign that resulted in a plane flying over the offices of several streamers, including Netflix, in August to try to promote them picking up the show. Yep, and it worked. And it worked. Okay, our next item is LeVar Burton is set to host the National Book Awards. Actor, podcaster, and reading advocate LeVar Burton will be the host of this year's National Book Awards ceremony. In a statement released last Friday, Burton, who also hosted the ceremony in 2019, said, It's an honor to return as host of the biggest night for books, especially in a moment when the freedom to read is at risk. Drew Barrymore was originally slated to host the awards show, 
commonly referred to as the Academy Awards for Literature. That offer was rescinded by the National Book Foundation after she announced she'd returned to doing her talk show during the Writers Guild of America strike. She eventually reversed that position after strike supporters picketed her show, but not before losing out on the hosting job. Of course, Burton, who is known for his role as Geordie LaForge in Star Trek Next Generation, as well as for his time hosting the PBS children's show Reading Rainbow. His breakout role was Kunta Kinte in a 1977 television miniseries Roots, based on the 1976 novel written by Alex Haley. He's also the host of, of a podcast known as LeVar Burton Reads, where he reads short fiction by various authors. The National Book Awards finalists were announced earlier this month, and the, the winners will be revealed at the ceremony, scheduled for November 15th. So in closing, we'll be back next week with a review of Episode 8, entitled Caves. Before we sign off, we would like to remind you to share a link of Age of Discovery with people you know who enjoy Star Trek as well. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a comment over on iTunes for us. It can help us out with attracting attention and new listeners. Until that time, like, subscribe, and follow Star Trek Age of Discovery on X, Threads, and Instagram at Star Trek AOD. Also at Facebook at Facebook.com slash Star Trek AOD. And at our website, Star Trek AOD.net, where we offer additional articles on Star Trek canon, interesting sidebar issues, and other aspects of the show. Finally, you can email the show at Star Trek AOD at gmail.com. But until then, live long and prosper.